بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وبعد السلام عليكم and welcome this is the Renovatio podcast and Renovatio is the publication of Zaytuna College I am Ubaidullah Evans and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Joram van Kleferen um, you know a former uh, Dutch uh, member of parliament that made headlines when he converted to Islam uh, and authored a book very provocatively entitled Apostate, which you know is a, a, a very attention-grabbing uh, title. Um, I've had the pleasure of, you know, greeting him in passing at the RIS conference, but never an opportunity to really sit down and converse with him. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, Yoram, how are you? Yeah, assalamu alaikum. Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for the invitation. It's a, it's a great honor for me to be uh, in your show, in the podcast. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm fine. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm well. You know, it's Ramadan. Alhamdulillah. I mean, so in your, your, your religious background, if I'm not mistaken, you were born as a Reformed, uh, liberated uh, Christian, right? Dutch Reformed uh, Christian. Um, and when I looked at your bio, it seemed as though you and your family were pretty religious which struck me as unique because when I think about, you know, uh, Western Europe, especially, um, I think, you know, religion is uh, not something that is uh, very popular among people, you know, currently. So were you, were you raised as a religious uh, person? Uh, yeah, and if, if you are right, it is uh, kind of uh, special. <laughs> Uh, in, especially in the Netherlands, because uh, the Netherlands, of course, uh, a lot of people know that it's a very liberal country um, and very secularized. So, um, and that's that isn't necessarily always uh, the same thing. But in the Netherlands, it is mm -hmm. because most of the people don't believe in God anymore. There was a, a research done by Pew Research, I think, uh, two years ago, and they said that the Netherlands was one of the most atheistic countries in the world. So it's not only that people uh, doubt the existence of God, they explicitly say, no, I am an atheist. And it was the, for the first mm -hmm. time in history uh, that in the Netherlands, there are, there are more atheists than theists. So all religious people combined were still a minority when you uh, looked at the, the whole picture. So it was uh, pretty uh, shocking for a lot of people in the Netherlands as well, because most of the people think, well, of course, we are a liberal country, but uh, the majority is, so to say, Christian but that's not the case anymore so uh, and when I was younger of course there were still uh, more Christians because uh, I'm uh, getting old already you're getting better you're getting better you know <laughs> I, I actually started to uh, you know I told, I told uh, a few of the brothers before we got on air I said I was going to joke that this is not the Renovatio podcast Yoram and I are launching an organization for handsome, bald Muslim men. <laughs> and, um, you know, we just want to invite everybody to the launch. No, I'll just get, but no, in, in, all, in all seriousness, um, thinking about your involvement with the PVV, you know, when you got involved um, with this nationalist party, uh, very strident uh, anti-Islamic rhetoric. Um, I've listened to interviews in which you spoke about 
you know, some of your thinking, but I'm interested in what were you feeling at that time? What were you feeling about Islam? What were you feeling about Muslims? You know, uh, you know, what were your mm -hmm. feelings at that time? Well, um, a lot of people, especially on the left side, the more progressive side of politics, they always say, well, uh, people who vote for, for example, the Freedom Party or maybe in the United States, I don't know if the comparison is, is, is correct, but people who voted for Trump, for example, they are scared. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't scared mm -hmm. at all. I was very angry. So it was more that I was angry and I was, uh, I, I had another feeling of, uh, ooh, there are Muslims here. No, I, I just want Islam out. And I was very angry when it c uh, came to Islam, but also uh, immigration in general. Uh, not only okay. Muslim people, also in the Netherlands, you have a lot of people from Poland, for example, and a lot of people from Romania and, and a lot of people from Eastern Europe. So there was, so to say, an immigration problem in the Netherlands. But uh, okay. of course, my party focused on Muslims. So they said, well, there is an immigration problem only uh, when you look at Muslims and Islam. But that, that was not the case because more people in the Netherlands were worried about immigration uh, because of jobs and because of the social security system, et cetera, et cetera, because it's a little bit different, of course, than the United States. Uh, we have a welfare state. So when there are too many people, depending on the welfare state, of course, it's, it's going to be very difficult to maintain such a system. And you cannot be an immigration country and have a social security system like we have. So it's one, one of them you have to choose, so to say. That was the political um, way of explaining it to people when they asked us, well, why are you so angry? And of course, uh, and maybe you heard it in, in former uh, interviews, I wasn't so much worried about the social security system that was uh, in general. But my personal feelings were that I was worried uh, for, the, for the sake of the country in a religious way. Because, as you said, I was brought up as a, as a Protestant Christian, very practicing, because uh, I have a Christian name or a biblical name. So as, as my brother, my sister, my other brother, uh, we were all baptized. My father read from the Bible uh, when we went to bed. Uh, when we uh, were eating, they were reading from the Bible. We went to church, etc. So we were very Christian in that way. Um, uh, so uh, when, when I saw that people were losing their faith, losing their Christian faith, and at the same time, you see a lot of people coming in, so to say, from other countries who are still very practicing. And in a historical yes. way, of yes. course, it's it's the it's the competition. <laughs> it was Islam, <laughs> and Christianity, of course, especially in Europe, there's always been clashes. So that was that was my personal, uh, yeah, my, my personal story when it came to my uh, feelings towards Islam. No, I, it's it's funny that you say that because I've always felt that, but I've never heard someone articulate it as clearly as you have. That sometimes when our you know uh, more secular uh, compatriots look at Muslims, they see this very practicing religious community. So that there is a a, a cultural aversion to Muslims because they're characterized by habits that seem strange, exotic different right but there's also this religious aversion to muslims because they appear very dedicated to their religion whereas yeah. i think people in europe and some places in the united states ironically even though the united states is thought of as a very very christian country in some places people are like well we're just not that uh, defined by our religious practice as a community whereas muslims appear very um, interested 
in their, you know, in their religion. So, you know, moving on, what, what for you, because I mean, this is the Renovatio podcast. Uh, Renovatio was a publication of Zaytuna College. Zaytuna College is a liberal arts uh, college that focuses on you know, teaching the Islamic sciences. One of their beliefs uh, and one of my beliefs is that these natural tendencies that we have toward uh, xenophobia, right? Being, being afraid of that which is different and strange, uh, certain kinds of prejudice, certain kinds of bias, these things can be overcome through knowledge, right? These things can be overcome through kind of a liberal education through which one frees oneself of some of those uh, underdeveloped ideas, feelings, etc. So what was your process of, of knowledge? I mean, okay, how do you, because I'm looking at this brother, mashallah, waiting for the adhan of Salat al-Maghrib so that you can eat and break your fast. How do you get from a place of, you know, completely vilifying Islam Muslims to this place of being Yoram Van Klaveren, the Muslim that I'm looking at now? I mean, what what was your how was that journey? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sometimes funny still for, for myself as well. So <laughs> most of the people in my uh, in my street, for example, but also in the family <laughs> and friends, especially my friends, they're not Muslim. There there are almost no Muslims here in the area. So uh, when 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 I'm talking to people, they say, well. How can you be a Muslim? So it's so strange. It's, <laughs> so, so that's it's. And, and sometimes when I look at in the when I look in the mirror, or you just uh, somebody sent you for, for uh, to be funny an old picture or uh, an old uh, speech from Parliament, and they say, "Well, what happened?" <laughs> so it's, it's, it's <laughs> before uh, after before after before after. Yeah, it's like uh, like a commercial almost. <laughs> Um, well, what happened? Yeah, of course, uh, I, in 2014, I left the party. I left uh, the Freedom Party. And it was because of there was an, uh, an, an incident uh, during a political rally in the Netherlands. And we had, uh, there were elections. And uh, during the night, Geert Wilders, the, the, the leading guy of the... Very party, distinct hair. Geert uh, Wilders. Yeah, blonde hair. He is gray, but <laughs> he dies. <laughs> It's, it's blonde now. Um, but uh, he, he, he asked during the rally the, the, the people who were there, do you want more or less Moroccans in the Netherlands? Mm -hmm. And everybody started shouting less, less, less. And it, it was very, uh, it, it was like a uh, like, like stadium setting. So everybody oh, was wow. screaming. And he said, well, I'll make that happen. Um, so, of course, when you know, know oh. history... Europe, a lot of people said, well, what, what does he mean by that? Is he going to kill people? Or uh, And of course, he said, well, sure. no, no, not aggressive, but we want less Moroccans, etc. And then he came with a with a political story. But I was the guy, I was a spokesman on this topic. And I didn't know mm -hmm. that he was going to say that. So I asked him, what, what is this? Is it, is it something new? <laughs> because, of course, I was very <laughs> anti-Islam back then. But I didn't ha necessarily ha had something against Moroccan people. Uh, and the funny thing was that there were even Moroccan people working for the Freedom Party. And they had a Jewish wow. background, wow. a Christian background, or a secular sure. ex-Muslim background. So sure. it was kind of strange. So I said, what, what, what is this? Is it, do, do we hate the, our own people, so to say, now? Eh? The, the people sure. from the Freedom Party? 
And he said, well, this is it. This is this is our new story. And we want less Moroccans in the Netherlands as well. Uh, besides the fact that we're still very anti-Muslim, etc. And then, yeah, of course, we got into a discussion. So, well, that's not what I think. And, and uh, I was very anti-Muslim, anti-Islam, but I wasn't necessarily anti-ethnic Moroccan people. So then sure. I left the party. But as I said, I was still very anti-Islam. So, uh, and I finally had the time to fulfill my long-held desire of writing an anti-Islam book. Uh, and I wait, started. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you know, I, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that you were writing a book that <laughs> you know was kind of a, an anti-Muslim diatribe at one point. Uh, this, this, this is just really, really remarkable. So you're writing a book, right? Yeah, my anti-Islam book. Yeah, yeah. And, and my anti-Islam book uh, was because I wanted to have some theoretical groundings when you looked at the things we said in Parliament, especially me, because I was the spokesman on Islam for the Freedom Party. So I was very explicitly anti-Islam. But in, when you're in Parliament, you're always discussing. You can never really explain what you think, why you think, because you're always in the defense modus or in the offensive uh, modus. So... Uh, I thought, well, when I'm uh, able to, I will write a book and then I can explain very clear why Islam is a danger for our country or for Europe or uh, the rest of the world. Uh, so I was uh, starting to write, uh, writing my book. But when I was writing my book, some of the questions I had as a youngster, when I was, uh, let's say, 16, 17 years old, you, you, will, you get conscious for the first time in a religious way. So I was thinking, why, why am I Christian? What do we believe, etc. And, and one of the two of the, the biggest problems for me in a, in a theological sense were the Trinity, yeah, you know, uh, God the Father, God yes. the Son, and yeah. the Holy Spirit. I, I, was also, I was also born a Protestant, me. Okay, well, then maybe you can relate to this. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the crucifixion of Christ as, a, uh, as something that had to be done before God could forgive the sins of mankind. And mm -hmm. especially as you, as you are a Protestant. So, you know, uh, also mm -hmm. the Old Testament. And the Old Testament says, well, God forgives who he wants. So it was kind of strange yep. that in the New Testament, suddenly there is something uh, extra added to the story. Mm -hmm. So God is mm -hmm. suddenly unable to forgive or his son had to die. Um, mm -hmm. And there were, there were, those were two topics that were always on my mind when I was uh, uh, with some friends or we were discussing theological problems, etc., uh, but when I was writing my anti-Islam book, of course, I, I, I came across the, the, the Muslim point of view when it comes to the concept of God and also mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I, yeah, well, those, those questions and those doubts popped up again. Uh, so, and it was the, for the first time that I thought, well, uh, of course, I studied comparative religion at the Free University, so I already knew the concept of uh, one God, etc., when you compare it to Christianity, but never in a, in a theological sense when it comes to the truth with a capital T. So now I was looking at it, could it be true? And it was, it was <laughs> always like, like an object of study, never something personal. So, and now I looked at it and I said, well, it looks more logical and it, it appeals to me more than the Christian concept of God. And I, I feel almost disgusted that I felt more attracted to Islam in, in a way than to Christianity. Right, 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 right. I, get, you know, I just, just, just to stop you just for a moment to interject, you know, I think that sometimes it's admitting to ourselves that we find a new way of life compelling 
that is actually difficult. It's not actually being convinced. It's like, if I do this, what will people say? What will people think? People will think that I'm a fraud or people will think that I'm a whimsical person that just takes one position on Monday and a different position on Tuesday. So a lot of what we wrestle with is how will I do this and maintain my personal integrity? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I'm sorry, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to stop you. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but it's, 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 uh, it's, it's something very, uh, um, very true. Uh, because mm -hmm. when uh, uh, after uh, I was uh, after I uh, embraced, so to say, the, the 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 Islamic concept of God, there was of course still the struggle when it came to the the, the prophethood of of Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. Because um, in in my denomination, we were taught that he was so to say the Antichrist. So, oh my God! From, seeing someone as, as the antichrist to accepting him as a prophet that's that's a, a very long way that's, so to say that's, that's uh, a journey <laughs> yeah I, so, I understand that 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 journey um involved one of our dear teachers sheikh uh, abdul hakim murad that you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you you sent him an email and he responded in like a 17 page expose or something yeah, like yeah. That. yeah so he was, he was very uh, explicit and it was very it was very it was very extensive <laughs> what i received so uh, but it was very uh, uh, it was very true because he said well i i see where you're coming from because i added a list of books that i read and where my mm -hmm. information came from so he said well i know those books some books are okay some books are totally uh, crazy so to say <laughs> uh, and and he said well maybe you can read this book and then you can read that book. So what I did is he gave me a list as well, some names. He, he, he just in uh, in a personal way, he explained some things to me because I had some questions. So, well, this is this is this. So and of course he is an authority on uh, several subjects when it comes to religion, especially uh, Christianity mm -hmm. and Islam. So he explained to me a lot of uh, uh, things, and uh, then uh, he said, well, maybe you can reread all your old books, and then you compare them to the new books that you are about to read and then you can see where they take off the wrong turn and that's what mm -hmm. i did and it was a, a process it took about uh, two and a half three years uh, altogether so it wasn't because some people say well how is it possible one day you're on the lap of Geert Wilders and next day you roll into a mosque so well that's not the case <laughs> no but no but actually one of the things that i thought was really beautiful about <laughs> your story is there is this element of the story that involves kind of a cultural connection because you obtained the Quran in Old Dutch, right? Through uh, the House of Wisdom uh, publishing yeah. house. Like you went yeah. and, you know, you're like, man, you really know my story. <laughs> no, but you went and uh, that's what your, your, your facial expression said, like, whoa, you went and you were convinced that this publishing house uh, was, an, was, a, was a nationalist publishing house because they were writing in old dutch and yeah. your assumption was that anyone who writes in old dutch wants to show i'm really dutch but as it turned out this publishing house was run by muslims is that is is, is, is that what happened yeah yeah <laughs> yeah kind of because uh, at first i had another publisher of course because my book was very anti-islam but during the writing i changed I changed uh, the subject for myself. I said, well, it's not going to be an anti-Islam book per se. 
it's going to be a search for God. And it, ah. it, of course, it ended up in, in me converting. So it's, it's of course, another... <laughs> uh, it, it became something else. Still again, a work but, in progress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, when, when, when I was in the middle, I said, well, I have to find another publisher. But at first, I uh, was looking for a publisher. And uh, in the end, I found one. It was not uh, Kenneth's house. But uh, I, when I was uh, searching for a publisher in the beginning, I found the Kenneth's house very soon. Mm-hmm. And then I said, "Well, okay, maybe that's uh, that's uh, because it's in, it, as you say, it was written in old Dutch. The name at Kenneth it means House of Wisdom, but uh, nowadays you wouldn't spell it like that. It's it's a totally mm-hmm. different way of spelling. So I thought, well, okay, that's it looks very uh, very Dutch <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, very nationalist Dutch. So I thought, well, that that could be a publisher for my book, uh, my old book, the first uh, version, so to say." Um, but th- then some some other publisher came uh, by and said, "Well, I can do this." And I said, "Okay." But after I uh, changed uh, my my story, so to say, the subject of my story, my personal, I didn't put it in the book yet, but it was in my head, of course, because I was doubting my Christian uh, dogmas. And uh, and, and uh, like I said, I, I found some answers in in Islam. I said, "Well, it has to be something else." And, a personal search for God. And again, I was looking for a publisher. And again, I, I, I came across at Kenneth's house. And I said, well, I'll send him an email. Maybe we can, uh, we can talk, etc." And then, of course, I saw there, was, uh, there were Muslims. And it's, it's an Islamic publishing house. <laughs> so it was <laughs> very funny. And I, I told them, well, I have some, I, have some, uh, I, I didn't convert yet to, uh, to Islam. And I told them that. Well, so I said, well, I have... Uh, it, maybe I will be a Muslim, maybe not, I don't know, but this is what it is now. And I have, uh, f- so to say, four or five chapters. And I have mm-hmm. to, I, I, let's see how it ends. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. well, it, of course, now known how it ended. But, uh, <laughs> so it, yeah, how about, you know, some people said, well, wasn't wasn't that the hand of God? Yeah, so it, it mm-hmm. showed you. Well, yes, I don't yes. know. It definitely was the hand of Google <laughs> because it showed me. <laughs> over and over again so yeah, you know one of the things that that you do in that book that i thought was very brilliant i mean i i've always read period of religion myself i'm just i'm really i'm curious about religious things i'm i'm always reading about different traditions and uh you know different you know beliefs and theological schools you know across you know the spectrum but you said in your book when you were thinking about the prophethood of Muhammad, peace be upon him, it would be illogical to compare him to Christ. Rather, it would be more logical to compare him with Moses, you know, a lawgiver. Uh, can you speak a little bit about that? I think, I think when, like, as, a, as an American, I find that people always compare the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, to Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. And so they say, well, he fought in wars. The prophet defended the physical integrity of the community, whereas Christ was a pacifist. Um, The prophet married, so sometimes he's depicted as a sensualist, whereas Christ was celibate. Um, You know, the prophet had a position of worldly authority, whereas Christ was really just an itinerant uh, preacher, you know, ministering to people. And so because of that, they can never see the Prophet Muhammad in the guise of a prophet of God. But you said if you compare him to compare him to Moses, 
or some of the prophets of the Old Testament, you particularly reference Joshua, then it, you see a lot more uh, uh, similarity there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny because uh, a friend of mine, he is, he's a Christian pastor. He still is a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, uh, he, he's, he told me it's not logical to compare them to each other because they had a, a different task. He said, well, I don't believe in the prophet. Muhammad, of course, because he's a Christian pastor. He said, well, it's, a, it's probably a nice guy. I don't know, but it's, it's not part of our religion. So he said... Uh, but but when you look at their lives, he said it's totally different. So you have to compare them with someone in the Old Testament because he said it's it's not about is he the Messiah? No, it's about is he a prophet? And he said, well, mm -hmm. if he is a prophet, then look at other prophets. And there are not so many prophets in the New Testament, of course. So you have to look mm -hmm. at the Old Testament. And that's what I did. And I start comparing them, as you said, to uh, Musa, to Moses. And because he, he came with a law, just like Moses came with a law. He, had, yeah. he was in the context of war. He had to defend himself. It was existential because if they didn't defend themselves, they probably would be wiped out. And of uh -huh. course, uh, he was someone who had to uh, start a community as well. So it was it was totally different when you compare it to Jesus Christ. And when I was comparing him to to Moses, to Musa, uh, yeah, especially when it came to war, for example, because uh, and I said it a few times earlier as well. Of course, it's not uh, war is never nice. And so if it's 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 possible that we don't have any wars, that that will be uh, perfect. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's not mm -hmm. the case because okay. we are humans, and unfortunately, humankind. Uh, wages wars so mm -hmm. um, when I was comparing them uh, to the Old Testament and the way the, the, the Jewish and Christian tradition uh, tradition teaches uh, from in a theological sense how to wage war it was so much harsher so much more brutal when I compared it to Islam because for example when it came to grass uh, or cutting trees or killing uh, non-combatants and, and, and stuff like that. In in uh, and I always had in my mind because of terrorism and stuff like that. Well, Muslims like to kill. It doesn't matter if it has an heartbeat and they can kill it. They love it. That was that was what I thought. Of course, crazy, but that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, and when I was reading what what Islam uh, actually says about war. It was so much more humane, and it sounds crazy because we're talking about war, but it's, it was so much more humane when I compared it to the way, for example, Joshua, yeah, the guy who followed uh, Moses mm -hmm. up when Moses died, uh, he was he was brutal, killed babies, uh, killed, uh, cut, cut trees, uh, everything. If, uh, you wipe out an entire community if you wage war like the Bible tells you to. Mm -hmm. And when I compared it to Islam, I saw this, uh, it, it was more in a way of okay defeat the enemy and go on it's not like wiping out someone or, or, or uh, wiping them off the face yes, I mean, this, is, this, is, this is something people have had to deal with you know in, in in different religious communities whether we're talking about the just war theory of aquinas or we're talking about or is, is that augustine i'm unsure but or we're talking yeah, about more recently um you know Christian pragmatism of Reinhold Niebuhr, or, I mean, war is something that every community in inevitably must develop some modus operandi of, mm. of, of confronting and dealing with, as unfortunate as it is. And of course, we are people that, you know, uh, pray for peace. 
Um, man, I don't want to keep you. I only have you for a few more. Really, we can. I mean, there must be some. There's some. There's some bond connection. There's some. You know, we can. We can keep going for for hours. But before we conclude, I do want you to talk because just preparing for this, you know, conversation, I learned so much from listening to some of your interviews, reading some passages of your book. Um, something that I had no clue about that I think is so cool. And I probably, I'll probably spend the, the remainder of the conversation talking about it. Anthony Jenzun Ben Sali, right? Um, this is the name of your foundation. Um, this, this history blew my mind. Uh, can you talk a little bit about it? You know, who is Anthony Jenzun uh, Ben Sali? Yeah. Antonio Jansson van Salé. It means when you translate it literally, Antony, and that's his name, Anthony. <laughs> Jansson means son of Jan. So he was the son of a guy called Jan. <laughs> and of Salé. Salé was a little place in Morocco. So let's talk about this later. Uh, well, Antony Jansson van Salé, he was the son of a guy called Jan Jansson. And Jan Jansson was a guy who was born, I think, and that's maybe I'm mistaken, but in 1602 or something. Uh, but it was in the 17th century beginning and he lived in Harlem the Dutch Harlem <laughs> so I'm not sure <laughs> in Harlem, our Harlem <laughs> uh, and uh, he was a kaapvaarder and a kaapvaarder is someone uh, he's, li he's like a pirate but he's a pirate with the support of the state okay. so in, uh, back then in the 17th century a lot of uh, countries like uh, uh, France, but also uh, England, uh, the, the Dutch, Spanish, uh, etc. They all had capfathers, so they all were pirates in a, in a sense. But be, because they were backed by the state, it was legal. Uh, but one day, uh, Jan Jansson, he was uh, he, he was with his boat near the Canary Islands, and it was Spanish mm -hmm. force. But uh, it's very near to uh, the, the western part of Africa uh, when you had uh, Morocco and uh, the Western Sahara. So uh, his, his ship broke down and uh, he, he came on the beach. And then all of a the sudden there were a lot of people, a, a lot of men. And they said, well, bad day for you. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> your ship broke down and uh, you, you can choose or you swim back between the sharks. That's a bad option. <laughs> or you can yeah. buy yourself uh, free because yeah. we see a lot of gold and silver here because he stole it from other ships as it's where you can or uh, uh you um you can fight us well mm. they were uh, let's say 150 guys against one so there was no real uh, option and they said well or you can convert to islam and then he said well what do you mean by converting to islam what is, uh, they said well you can be a muslim they said what is a muslim and because uh, it was it's a 1700 uh, 1600 something so he didn't of course they knew there are muslims but what is a muslim so they explained it and he said well in that case i'm already a muslim uh, well, so they said, take your shahada he did <laughs> and they said well you can join <laughs> us and uh, and that that's what he did and he 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 um, he's he starting uh, um, uh, he, he had a position in the army of saleh and it was like like singapore a little uh, city but it was also a country back then mm -hmm. in morocco mm -hmm. um and he was very he was very successful and the sultan the uh, let's say the king of the place there he said well you're very special and you gave us so much wealth and you taught us how to uh, uh, how we were are better to rob ships, <laughs> and 
do, do the things we uh, we were good at and what we like 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 all other countries uh, back then. And that's what he did. And then he said, well, you can be a president. So he became the first president of Saleh. So we have a Dutch yeah. guy. He was converted himself. His name is his Muslim name was Murat Reis, and Reis oh, is wow. like. like Murat Reis and uh, Reis is like a title. Uh, Reis is like president. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what he did, and uh, and and but he married uh, to a Moroccan girl, uh, and he got four children and four sons. And one of the sons is Anthony Janssen of Saleh. And in 1629, I think, uh, he said to his son, "You have to go to the New World." And he said, "Well, okay, that's okay." And the New World, of course, it was the United States back then, but it wasn't the United States yet because it was still British. Because, uh, of course, the United States were founded, I think, in 1776 uh, or something. This is history that I'm very familiar with. But no, okay, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, the, Anthony went to, uh, went to uh, New Amsterdam, New York, mm -hmm. uh, nowadays. Uh, but but people didn't like him because uh, he was a little bit darker than uh, the, the the usual uh, people from the Netherlands, the the, the, the ordinary people. because right, he's, he's also he's also Moroccan. He has some Moroccan oh, ancestry. Oh, yeah, his father was Dutch and his mother was Moroccan, of course. And so he was he was kind of tanned, <laughs> and yeah, uh, he was very, very tall, very very tall, tall. And, yeah. and, 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 he, very, and very strong. <laughs> also, and but he was also he was even taller than the average guy there. So they said, well, he looks like a Turk. And Turk, uh, everybody in, in Europe, uh, a Turk meant, meant, that's, it meant Muslim. When they mm. all books and they're talking about the Turks, they mean Muslims. It's not necessarily the Ottoman Empire, but everybody who's not a Christian from Europe is a Turk. Uh, <laughs> so they said he looks like a Turk, but uh, he went there and he said, well, he, want, he wanted to buy land and they were very... Uh, uh, they said, well, no, you cannot buy, you're not a Christian, because he was a Muslim, and he was reading in his Quran as well. And he was, that's what they say, he was the first guy who brought a Quran to the Americas, so North and South, and the, the first Quran there was, it was very, very, uh, yeah, very so, remarkable. So the first Quran in America is brought by the descendant or by the son of a Dutch pirate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the history of the world is just—it's—it's it's wondrous, really. It's wondrous. Yeah, it really wondrous. is. It really is. And and he—he he he was very wealthy. Eh? When you when you translate the the amount of money he had, he was like a multi multi millionaire back then. So he, when he said, well, "I want to buy land," he said, "No, you cannot buy." He said, "Well, I pay two times, three times what they offer you." And they said, "Okay, then you can buy." Of course, eh? money talks, <laughs> and that's what uh, that's what he did. And one it's of the, the, it's <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, he started a lot of uh, places. They are still uh, around. Uh, for example, uh, the Bronx. He was one of the first people who developed the the ground that is the Bronx nowadays. But also, there's a place in in New York, Wallenstein. Uh, mm -hmm. And Wallenstein, he is the guy literally who founded Wallenstein, uh, the the place that still exists now. So this was very funny, and he's he's also from a very it's very special because a lot of uh, descendants and uh, people uh, like uh, Vanderbilt, the dynasty mm -hmm. of Vanderbilt, uh, they're descendants of this guy. Also, Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart yeah. is also related to this guy. Jack, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Kennedy as well. Oh, yeah, Jacqueline yeah. Kennedy on NASA's as well. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you, gave me, you gave me so much to think about. <laughs> Sorry? 
man, so, God bless. God bless. Yeah. God bless you. God bless your family. God bless the organization. Uh, it sounds phenomenal. You know, you're doing God's work. Stay strong. Um, I, I I didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, in this conversation, but the ways that I've heard you speak about your mother, that, you know, she was disappointed, but you're not angry and you accept her and you love her, you know, in spite of that. And you, you understand, you know, why she's disappointed. You know, this is the key, you know, to, to not allow yourself to be alienated, you know, by your family, by your community, by your, you know, countrymen and women. Um, and, you know, God will give us success. And just in bringing people together um, across the, the barriers of religious observance and culture and language, uh, you're already doing God's work and God has already given us success. So thank you. Uh, I'm Ubaidullah Evans. Uh, my guest has been Yoram Van Cleffern. Uh, this has been the Renovatio uh, podcast where we endeavor to provide a approximate expression of, of ancient wisdom, right? You know, um, and uh, this was a this was a lovely experience. Um, I look forward to us doing it again uh, soon. Uh, please, Yoram, give my best to uh, all of the community there and especially uh, your lovely family. Salam alaikum. Thank you, Salam. Very good.